As they're coming through with the offering, I just wanted to uh, take a moment. And today when I'm speaking, it's dear to my heart. And one of the things we've been discussing as a church, and I've said to many of you in conversation, is that I feel like God is just really challenging me to unpack so many of those words that we throw around as a church. How many times in a church do we hear the word salvation and it just goes right past us? But think about what, but how beautiful is it when we see grace? And the reason I say that is because yesterday, many of you were here, had the privilege of standing on the stage with Norman and Tiffany and really to just kick the devil in the teeth. It was beautiful in the sense that looking out at so many faces and knowing that so many people had been part of that story along the way. Knowing that words like miracles, that we hear that, but when we see it, it's different. When we feel it, it's different. That we were a part of that. That I was an intimate part of that because... I am in the family. I'm an intimate part of that because I am Norman's friend, because I have been able to be part of that story, but then to see God blow my mind. Isn't it amazing how when we pray for things and we know what God can do, when God does them, we're still blown away. And I want to stay like that because that is where it is. And so today, I can't promise that I'm going to get through what I have on this. I woke up really early. You think you have the line. But I just need to be real today. I need to honor what God has put before me. And I just want to challenge you for a few moments on looking at those things. We hear the words walk. We hear the words relationship. Your relationship with Christ. What does that look like? How does that play out in the day-to-day? How does it affect you in the things that you do? You hear about the importance of prayer, spiritual warfare. We know as Christians, getting into the word and prayer are vital, vital. I also know as a Christian, we talked about it last week, that those fiery prayers, those fervent prayers, those effectual prayers, those are there. I also know that there are times when I am praying for God's will to be done and God answers in a different manner than what I was praying. It can shake me. I say that because this, when we're talking about our walk, our relationship, this is where it is for most of us. Being real about that, a beautiful thing is, when I don't know what to do, the Bible is my blueprint. The Bible's my blueprint. Not only is it my blueprint to find wisdom, to find next steps, but to read about people who were ordinary people. That God was so real to. People who came to what I would call intersections. 
What's the intersection? The intersection is when you think you know what's going to happen and you come upon something that is like this speed bump in your faith that you think, what do I do now? These intersections are important because each one of us will have them. And when we do, what's next? What is next? I want to point out a few people in the Bible that came to these intersections, the way that they responded. It's only going to take a few minutes. Because what I think is important and vital is testimony. I think what happened yesterday, the devil hated it. Oh, he hated it. And it's beautiful because I just kept like as... As this wedding's going on, I'm thinking, God, this is, this is redemption. This is how you redeem. This is how you intervene. When we talk about the enemy having plans to destroy and God using it for good, this is what it looks like. And as Tiffany read her vows, she said, I will not speak of the past unless it's to bring glory to God or to help others. And the devil hates it. So looking at the evidence from this blueprint of what to do when you come to an intersection, I submit to you, Moses. Oh, Moses. This is the Moses that I love. Oh, I mean, if I could be any Moses, I would want to be this Moses right here. Like, just imagine that. You know if that was me, and like I was in front of everyone that happened, I'd turn around and be like, are you seeing what I'm seeing? Like, this is crazy good. But he has an encounter with God. The Moses I want to talk about is the Moses at the burning bush. God sees Moses as the man that's going to stand before Pharaoh on behalf of the Israelites. He sees him as the man who's going to stand and deliver. He sees the man who's going to speak the words that will end cruel bondage. And Moses, like me many times, gave God excuses. Exodus chapter 4, verses 10 through 12, New King James, reads like this. Then Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent. Neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. So the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? Or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall say. It's just as relevant now as it was then. And so I would ask the question to someone sitting here, who has made your mouth? Because, see, we get into situations and just don't rock the boat, don't say anything. But who has made you and placed you in that situation? And what's weird about this, when I read about Moses, what's amazing is I don't hear anyone else describing Moses by his disability. Moses describes himself by what he sees as a weakness. In that moment, being before God, God could have instantaneously healed Moses. I don't know the extent of his issues in speaking. But what I could surmise is this. He probably was insecure about it for his entire life. I can stop there a moment and say there are things that some of us have carried our entire lives that we're incredibly insecure about. 
There are things that you think are disqualifiers that no one else is even aware of. There are times when you get alone with God and you are telling God, God, this is why I am not able to do what you have laid out for me to do. But God's plan hasn't changed. He was chosen to fulfill mission. He wasn't chosen in spite of the fact that he had a weakness. Maybe he was chosen because he had a weakness. Speaking to that, God reminds him that he's the one who put it all in place. He didn't make mistakes. For everything that the human eyes may see as a disability, God can see as a superpower. God will use it. He can use it. When I submit to his will in spite of weakness, God will use it. So Moses keeps on insisting that he can't do it to the point where God starts to get angry. I want to focus on God blessing me. I don't want to make God angry. I don't want to keep telling him, yeah, 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 I I know you got these big things for me, God, but look, here's why I can't. No, here's what you're going, no, 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 God, what you don't understand, this is why I can't. You're not catching God up on the story. He knows what's going on. He knows what's going on, and he's working in your life. He's in perfect control. God, he can remind us that in spite of what I think I can't do, he shows up. He's right there. I'm reminded of the fact that we're going to be doing a baptism soon. One of my favorite things is to baptize people. One day when I was baptizing people, we were stopping, and I said, is there anyone else? There was someone else. It was my friend Benjamin. Most of you know Benjamin. You're newer here. Benjamin is my friend. Benjamin also has Down syndrome. And Benjamin woke up that day, and neither his parents nor forces of nature could stop him from getting baptized. And it was powerful because nothing was keeping him out of that tub that day because he knows Jesus and he's getting baptized. And I say that because when we talk about special needs, We're talking about superpowers. Because what I saw in that day was the kind of thing that I can only imagine happening on the banks of rivers when people would come up to get baptized. I can only imagine the kind of faith that says nothing's going to stop me and hold me back. And it's incredibly inspiring to me every time that I see that tub to think that is exactly what it's about. God is able. God is able. The second thing that I present to you is this same man, Moses. Not the cool Moses parting the water, Moses, but a man who is sitting on top of a mountaintop, a man that we read about in Deuteronomy chapter 3, verses 23 through 26, who is pleading with God. O Lord God, you've begun to show your servant your greatness and your mighty hand. For what God is there in heaven or on earth who can do anything like your works or your mighty deeds? I pray, let me cross over and see the good land beyond the Jordan, those pleasant mountains and Lebanon. And see, this was a man who had led faithfully for 40 years. This is a man also who was told to speak to a rock, and he struck a rock. 
The consequence for this action meant that he wouldn't enter into the promised land. Could you imagine being that Moses? Could you imagine in that moment thinking that the thing that you have dedicated 40 years of your life to attaining and being faithful in, that you wouldn't be able to do it? God is sovereign and God makes the call. I've been able to have the privilege to be with church family many times as tears were shed because they saw it going a different way. But God's still on the throne. And in the moments of greatest pain, I've seen God show up in ways, having the privilege of that, not, never knowing that that level of God comfort could be there. Because God always shows up. In the times that I don't understand, in the times when I say, God, why, why would you allow, why wouldn't you, why didn't God heal? Why didn't God intervene? Why did God allow this? And I would say to you this morning that the God of the sinner's prayer is the God of your present. The God that was there who can take sins away is the God of the present. He's the God of the future. Every person in this room, they may have that question that no matter where you go in faith, you may think that was a spot and an intersection I won't forget. But I'm going to be real for a moment. I'm going to say in ministry, you run into people who will stop at certain intersections. I've met people of all ages who just stopped walking because they came to that question and they stopped. The reason that I say that is because this is a walk. This is a relationship. And there are going to be times when you come to a spot and you say, you know what, no farther. But at the end of this, we're going to stand before that God who created us. At the end of this, I'm going to be able to look back and say, God, at the times when I wanted to stop, you didn't shove me forward. You whispered to me in love. You didn't push me down and tell me what a failure I was. You showed up in a different way. You held my heart. You whispered into my ear. And so I would say to you this morning, if you've ever felt like Moses sitting on that mountaintop, see, God didn't abandon him. God was with him. For every moment that we feel abandoned, remind the enemy that you are never alone. When I think of that testimony, I remember driving to Pennsylvania. It was to a center called Penile. It's a place when I'd been at state events that I'd heard about many times. About how they specialized in Christian treatment. But when it affects you personally, it's different. When you can see God's hand moving and the fruit of what God's doing, it's different. It's real and the Holy Spirit is powerful. The next one I'd submit to you is this man named David. Not this David. That's a David I love. But this David, who's down on the ground praying. A David that we read about in 2 Samuel 12. 
Therefore David pleaded with God for the child, and David fasted, and he went in, and he lay all night on the ground. The elders of the house arose, and they went to him to raise him up from the ground, but he would not, nor did he eat with them. See, in this story, David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. David, in order to cover up his tracks, had her husband Uriah killed. David had no remorse until the prophet of God came and read his mail. Though David repented, the consequence for the sin would be that that baby would not live. And so David fasted and prayed and pleaded with God. But seven days later, that baby passed away. But here's the point at his intersection. David arose from the ground. He washed and anointed himself. He changed his clothes and he went into the house of the Lord and worshiped. Then he went to his own house and when he requested, they set food before him and they ate. When his servants said to him this, what is this that you have done? When it comes to these God intersections in our life, that's the question that the world's asking. Because they hear us as a church, and we can say when God does good things, but when the skies seem to be dark, how are we as a church going to react at times? Am I going to stand as firm in faith? Because part of my testimony is what I do next. My testimony is not only what God has done, but what am I going to do next in that situation? What do I do when God's answer seems to be opposite of that that I was pleading with him for? There's a world that's watching. There is a world that's watching. They're watching to see what it looks like when they consider it a loss, what my God's going to do in that situation. The God of the overflowing heart is the same God that holds the broken heart. I'm not saying this to pressure you. I'm saying this to tell you that God hasn't changed. Philippians 1.6 says, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. I can cry with confidence because I believe in Jesus. I can take a minute in confidence because I believe in Jesus. Because his grace, when that pause stops, will find me right at that moment and we will pick up right where we left off. That same kind of testimony, you have Daniel. You read about Daniel in the Bible, Daniel chapter 6. This Daniel who is so faithful that his enemies hate him. They set up this plot against him. The one thing they can use against him is his relationship with God. The only way they could trap him was to get this bogus law passed. Get the king to pass this law that if Daniel prays, then he will be punished. Daniel chapter 6 verses 10 through 11 say this. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home in his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem. He knelt down on his knees three times a day and he prayed. And he gave thanks to his God as was his custom since the early days. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before God. Though Daniel had petitioned to God, these men still came against him. What's amazing about this story is this. The king, before Daniel goes into that pit, may the God whom you serve continually protect you. May the God whom you serve continually. Even the enemy knows that God is doing something. Even the enemy knows that God is up to something. And what's wild about this, the Bible says that the heathen king, he stayed up all night and he wouldn't eat anything. God can drive it to the point where the heathen king will even fast for you. That is the God that I serve. Even when you feel persecuted, that's when he is moving. 
When you feel like you're sitting in darkness, that's when God is tearing down the walls. So the king rushes early in the morning to check on Daniel. And the first words out of Daniel's mouth were blessing and the next words were testimony. This is what I want to tell you. When things are going in a direction and the world is coming to you to hear how bad things are going, shock them by telling them how blessed you are. Shock them. And the next thing after that, start submitting to them. Here's the testimony of what God's done. Here's the testimony of what God's done. And they'll be like, yeah, it wasn't. No, it was exactly like that because I was with God when he did it. This happened, this and he's going to handle this too because my God has me. When the dawn breaks, let it find blessing and praise coming out of your mouth. The word always gives a blueprint. The final thing in this, how do I react? Jesus, the ultimate in example and blueprint. We read about Jesus in Matthew 26. On the night that he would be crucified, he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. When you study this, you find that on the Passover night, it was a full moon. When he was leaving central Jerusalem to go to Gethsemane, he crossed over a brook. When he crossed over the brook, the brook ran near the temple, and so the brook was probably stained red from the blood of sacrifices that were taking place that very night. And so you have Jesus who knew from the moment that he stepped onto this earth the purpose of the mission. He knew that this was the night. He knew that this would be the time that the sins of the world would be piled upon him. Imagine it. We can't. And imagine stepping over a brook and thinking, sacrifice. This is the night. This is the night. And the Bible says this. Going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. In every other human example that we read, we read about Moses, who made excuses. Read about David, who in spite of his prayers not going the direction he thought they would, getting up, washing off, and worshiping God before people who had no clue what was going on with the king. We read about a Daniel who, when he's thrown in the pit, instead of speaking curses over those who came against him, spoke blessing out of his mouth. And now we read about a savior when he's about to face the darkest time in all of history, saying to God, not your will, but mine be done. If there is a blueprint to add to anything that we do in this walk, tag that onto it. With any prayer that we pray, God, not your will, but mine be done. Because at the point when I prayed for him to come into my life, you know what? I didn't even know I was speaking those words. Father, I give my heart to you. I want you to be my God. I want you to take my sin away. I want you to be the one that's in charge of this life. What I was saying without knowing it was, your will be done. So from the moment that this started going, every time I come up against something, I urge you as a church body, speak it and believe it. 
There are going to be times that you say it in confidence. There are going to be times that you say it with your lips quivering. God, your will be done because you're still on the throne and you still have a plan. And if this is the intersection that I'm coming to, then I'm going to walk through it with you because you are beside me. This isn't the place where my story ends. This isn't the place where I stop and never go back to it. But this is a place where I go forward. And this is a mark in my testimony. I say that and I'm going to get personal to close this. My wife, she'd tell you this. She's not up here. There are times when the attack can seem personal. And my wife, in praying, felt like she came to a point where she was just wrestling with God about something. She knew it was a point where, in faith, I don't understand. It was that intersection. It wasn't just an intersection like you pass through and you go on. It was an intersection where she just, like, God, I can't wrap my mind around this. I can't reconcile faith with what I'm seeing, and I'm praying, and I believe in you, and I know you can do anything. God, crying out to God. You read that story of Jacob when he wrestles the angel. That after that point, he never walked the same again. And I say that in the personal way that in those very things that you're questioning, God, what is your purpose for this? What are you trying to do through this? I don't get it. I don't understand. This hurts in this moment. Everything I think that I knew at this moment, I'm not seeing. I don't understand. That's being real. Because he's your father and you can talk to your father that way. But when that happens, know that there are going to be points where you walk differently. Know that there are going to be things that for your life, it may stick with you. But think about with that man, all of the things that happened after that wrestling event. And I say that to you because some of the greatest things wait on the other side of the intersections. If you'll stand. My challenge to you this week is this. Think of all those God words that we throw around. And then dig into them. Think about all those God things that I've just taken for granted. The next time that you hear someone gave their heart to Jesus Christ, get shook. The next time that you hear a testimony, like yesterday, it was almost, it was so hard not to turn that into a church service. I'm telling you, like, I wanted to do a lap. Like old school, Pentecost, like, I wanted to do a lap. It was that kind of feeling because it was that amazing. And so we're going to pray, but please, part of this faith thing, and I'm praying the same for you, if you bow your heads. Father, right now, we are a blessed people. We are a people that you go before. We are a people that you have plans for. We are a people that you do not view according to our weakness, but you see you through your strength. 
we are called, we are anointed, and Father, even the plans of the enemy to harm us, your blessing will override that, and your grace is bigger. I speak right now to every heart who struggles with that question. And Father, I pray in your mercy and your love that you would whisper answer because only you can speak the words that truly heal our hearts. In the name of Jesus, I pray, amen.